You just gotta keep living, man. L I V I N. It's showtime. Welcome to P3 Radio. Here's your host, Josh Friday, Richard Relican. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on P3 Hotline right now, one of the stars and winners of the hit show Hunted on CBS. And he's also going to be fighting in the upcoming black tie and boxing event in Jackson, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to P3 Radio, Hilmar Skagfield. Hilmar, thanks for being here, man. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. Well, you know, I've got to ask, and I know you're probably getting tired of hearing about the show questions by now. And I've, but I do have Never. a few questions. I do have a few questions. How much time did you guys have, realistically, to know that you were going to be on this show? Ooh, that's a good question. I think we only had maybe a month and some change, something like that. Gotcha. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a large uh, window, but the problem is is that uh, in most reality shows, they also keep the rules away from you till the last second. Right. So we really did not know what was going on till basically the day before we went on the run, oh, wow. and that that made it really fun because again, you really have to think through a lot of theoretical situations. And then basically they finally say, Hey, you're about to be on the run. Here's your parameters. And you realize, okay, 99% of what I thought is out the window right now. (laughs) Let's, you know, let's change the game plan. And so you have to adapt. And that was really to their credit. They made an extraordinary show and they made that so that it really was, you know, simulating a real life manhunt, just, just like it would be if, you know, you went on the run right now. So right. that was a really uh, great part of how they constructed the game. You know, sometimes I think it would be refreshing for me to get off the grid and, and live like in the wilderness and away from all the technology and social media. But what was it like? How hard was it to be basically in a social media blackout and a social blackout for a month? Sure. It was pretty nuts the the uh i guess the pressure uh, specifically being on the run and being hunted for 28 days is pretty extraordinary you don't sleep through the night much uh you're in kind of fight or flight mode and you're really trying to shift out of that to be more responsive uh rather than just you know just uh, freaking out and running out the door every other five minutes. <laughs> and so it, it's pretty tough. Uh, mentally, you really have to stay in there. And mentally, the hardest thing I think that we found is that you have to stay flexible and you have to stay focused to be creative because these hunters are going to be hunting you and your community based on your patterns. And unless you can be creative, you really don't have a chance. And that was really the way in which basically both teams won. They were creative and um, with a a lot of luck. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I had LASIK last year. And I find myself every once in a while trying to push my glasses up, even though they're not there. Did y'all ever have a moment where you were trying to reach for a phone or trying to look through your pockets to see, oh, I'm I'm missing my phone? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That is a great question. No, the the first five days, we were always reaching for a phone. We would... (laughs) We would be wanting to specifically look up 
oh, I have so-and-so around here and I need to find their address. And so you reach for your phone and then suddenly realize, oh, I don't have one. Or you get ready to leave somewhere and you'd be checking all your gear and then there'd be a moment of crisis as we all have every day of, oh my God, where's my phone? You know? Uh, And it's interesting because I think specifically in society today, we don't really care about our keys or our wallet anymore. But if our phone is lost, oh, hell, this is not going to be okay. Oh, yeah, we so lean on it every day. It's like a crutch. and you, you know, It's become more of a, uh, a buddy that just goes around with you that can answer any question in the world you might have. Uh, oh, it's extraordinary. And it is also an extraordinary tracking device if you have one and if you're running from the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of which, uh, since you guys were so good at this game, did you have anybody visiting you after offering you jobs or maybe looking into you? Did your picture go up at a few post offices? You know, is how well you were getting away? No, I, well, I actually had two uh, job offers from uh, some agencies wow. that were kind of feeling me out. They, uh, they had seen what I did on the show and kind of, kind of pitched it out there of, hey, man, if you ever want to come in, you know, just let us know. And uh, so it was, it was cool. Uh, it was really fun after the show because the hunters had no idea what we had done until the show aired. And that was really a lot of fun for Lee and I to go back through our strategy with the hunters and really talk strategy, game plan, some things that you don't see on TV. And for the hunters to come back and say, no, you did a phenomenal job. I mean, how you moved, how you thought, how you kept your calm, uh, how you uh, thought through where we were, all those things, they were really impressed. And so we had a lot of mutual respect. But one of the side effects of this is when I meet somebody in the intelligence agencies or in the military, I get really nervous nowadays because I realize just what they can do to me. And I, I recently uh, I got introduced to a Delta Force guy, and it was just I just I, I was just a little nervous, you know. Just okay, all right. I know how many ways you can kill me right now. I know how many ways you can disrupt my life right now. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, you know, you watch the show with a skeptic, like your like your yes. weird uncle or something like that, and they're going to always throw out one of those lines that you hear all the time on reality TV shows. Oh, when the camera goes off those guys get all kinds of breaks they have catering what what would you say to those guys this was pretty legit right this was super legit in fact some people have asked if i wanted to go on another reality show and i said no just due to the fact that being entrenched in hunted and the production value and the level of the game is is so high that it makes everything else look a little lame and when we you know shut down for the day it was you're still in go time. You can't move. You can't do anything to further your you know, strategy or your movement. But, you know, you're stuck with what you have. So when you look at someone such as Troy and Shelley, they don't get granola bars from the production crew. They are stuck in the middle of a swamp with whatever they have, and that's it. And everything's counted for. There's a producer with you at all times. So there's no way to uh, you know, cheat the system at all. And it was just a lot of fun to kind of play that parameter in the sense of the hunters had X amount of time and we had X amount of time. And what we did with X amount of time really mattered. And so the other thing was really nice is not having to run 24-7 was great because you don't want to be creating dangerous situations around America trying to 
film a reality television show because at two o'clock every morning you just want to run you just are ready you wake up in the middle of the night and you say okay we gotta get out of here right. where do we go you know and it it, it helps uh probably keep us safe <laughs> Well, you know, I worked in wrestling, pro wrestling, for about 10 to 12 years. And, you know, that's a form of entertainment. You know, you you have to be aware of cameras and know where it is. And you try not to break the fourth wall at all. You don't ever want to look right into the camera unless you're cutting a promo to the person you're cutting the promo on. Uh, you, you, You never, you know, you have those guys in the back of the locker room where they're talking like they're the only ones there. And meanwhile, there's a camera there. Uh, And the whole time I was watching the show with my wife, we were sitting there watching and I'm like, that camera crew has to be hampering what they're trying to do because, you know, they're in a helicopter looking down on for you guys. It's like, well, maybe it's the guy that's being filmed by the large camera crew. Uh, how big was the camera crew, and was that ever a hindrance to you guys in trying to hide? No, the thing I'd say about the camera crew is it was interesting because we filmed like a documentary. There basically there was no – you know, hey, can you do that again? I mean, there was a couple times in which maybe the camera asked, hey, can you can you say what you guys have been talking about the past hour in, you know, a nice little TV one-minute clip kind of thing right. to just summarize? But there was never any, uh, you know, hey, you know, repeat, stop, do any of that stuff. So there's no, no hindrance with the camera, which is super rare for some of these games and things like that, which right. was incredible. So you're really running as a documentary and a true documentary at that. And on top of that, the other thing that a lot of people don't think about, and this was interesting to Lee and I getting off the show, talking to some of the other fugitives, as well as some of the surrounding community, is when Lee and I are out and about on the show, we're really thinking through, hey, there's a guy across the street that just saw me with a backpack on. A lot of people don't actually see the camera and in fact, they might be, you know, being filmed and they have no idea what's going on. Right. But what was really identifiable was, hey, there's this random new car in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> and it's strange how many people know there's a random new car in my neighbor's yard. And that's actually where a lot of got, people got picked off was they're not thinking about this game socially. Right. And that's how fugitives get caught. They're not thinking through you know, basically how their community's reacting as well as how the people that they're interacting with are tracking them. And so for us, one of the biggest things, and this is kind of Fugitive 101, is you just don't, you don't go outside. Right. Basically every single movement that you had, you mitigate your risks. You don't stop. You don't go into a gas station. All of those things have to be really controlled because... Lee and I, you know, we, we stick out and we saw that in the first episode, uh, with, uh, the first couple that was out, Matt and, you know, he's six, seven and there's no hiding someone that's six, seven. So you have to mitigate your risk of, you know, whether he had a wig on or not, no one cares. Cause I'm just going to look at a security camera and say, Oh, there's the six, seven guy. And so those are things that you really have to be thinking about in order to, to mitigate that risk. And, and that's where the camera was really not much of a hindrance at all. It was actually mainly just us saying, okay, we, we have got to stay out of sight and we got to make sure that people don't know where we are. And that includes the neighbor across the street that's on his front porch. 
And he was actually the person that tagged our car in the final days. Wow. He said to, he thought the cops were real cops. He had identified them as cops and said, yeah, there's a, there's a gray Chevy Impala uh, or whatever the Impala's make is that is across the street. And uh, yeah, they've been here for a day, I think. And they've been kind of weird. And by the way, the lady next to their house is having an affair. Do you want to know about that too? Wow. I mean, that's how <laughs> dialed this man was. Right. So it, it was a little, it was a little weird, but again, those are the things that you really have to think through that if you get caught because of a camera crew, you're not doing your job on right. the show. You're not really doing your job as a fugitive. Gotcha. Well, you know, you guys won the grand prize after you won. How many cousins did you discover that you had that you never knew about before? <laughs> <laughs> no, completely. I would say that my favorite thing was uh, this, a couple random requests from people that I have not talked to in probably 12 to 15 years that immediately wanted life updates, you know, and it was just, it was a bit, bit strange of, wait, what? I haven't right. talked. Why, why are you emailing me about this? You know? And so they came out of the woodwork, but yeah. everybody else was cool. Trying to make it sound like totally random. Hey man, what you been up to? You know, uh, you coming? Yeah, to the exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was basically like, Hey, remember that time that like we hung out and went to Starbucks in Jackson? <laughs> cool. So like, How's things going now? You thinking about you gonna be around here? You're like, yeah. no, nah, you know, what do you like? What's your name again? So that was a little funny, but everybody else is so super, super cool. Cool deal. Well, to wrap up on the hunted and to tie into what you're coming up to now, uh, when you guys first picked up your money in the series finale on Hunted, you guys wore suits, which was one of the many ballsy slash entertaining things you did on the show. Uh, is sure. that entertaining showmanship style what we should expect to see from you in the ring on January 6th? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, running, running in suits, 3.5 miles and uh, having a good old time at it was exactly what I wanted to bring to, and it is what I wanted to bring to the ring this January. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, this has been something that when the show was airing, I was here in Jackson and working out here at the fight shop mm -hmm. and everyone was just super accommodating and kind of walking me through just some sparring and I had worked boxing to get prepared for the show just aerobically. And here was able to just kind of learn a little bit more. But uh, they had thrown out this idea of, hey, would you like to come do this black time boxing event? And the event is just so cool. Being at the Civic Center, everyone's gussied up, black tie, ball gowns, tables, five-course meal, uh, and these incredible feats of athleticism. And then they tell me, hey, you want to you, you go around? <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think about this. Uh, right. <laughs> so I, I ended up uh, committing uh, just recently and uh, have just jumped into training and just really enjoying it. It's, it's a very different thing going from punching a heavy bag to being punched in the face. Right. So I've, I've been having to switch that up, but uh, really enjoying the training and the new experience. I tell you, it's kind of like what Mike Tyson says. Everybody has a plan. Everybody knows what they're doing before they get in there and get punched in the face. And that, That's exactly it's, it. 
it's it's a major game changer uh, if you're not used to it. Hey, man, talking about this show, last year, of course, I did the ring announcing last year. I'm supposed to be back doing the ring announcing again this year. Yeah, super excited about that. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, full disclosure, I was thinking, I've only seen a few advertisement spots. I've been in Jackson my whole life. I know how fickle we are. You have to beat us about the head about things. Hey, this is coming. This is coming. This is coming. And then mm-hmm. the two days before the show, it snowed like more snow than what it has in a while here in Jackson. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. man, this thing is going to tank. It's not going to do well at all. I want it to do well, but I don't know if it's going to do so well. That place was packed to the rafters. And I mean, it was from the word go, it was up energetic. Everybody was having a good time. It was packed and they raised some good money for a good cause there. Uh, but yeah, what, what influenced you to want to fight in this on January 6th at black time boxing? Sure. You know, it was kind of two things was, it was just something that at the beginning of this journey, I had really said, you know, I just, I feel like I should do this, you know, give back, to the fight shop and Rachel and Kim and Cassidy who have just uh, really kind of took me in for three months while the show was happening and uh, let me train there. And there was just a sense of camaraderie of, you know, this is really important and this is a, this is a need and this is something I can feel uh, coming off a, you know, some reality show to be a celebrity card. And it, it was kind of at that point for a while but actually during this journey, as I've been kind of keeping in shape all this year and just kind of lightly touching up on some things, um, actually one of our hunters on the show, Griff, his daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and had a really traumatic hospital stay and their life has now changed. And so it's become just kind of this full circle uh, moment where, you know, it was really an eye opener to me of just how many people in our community have type one diabetes and the need to help just shoulder that burden to be aware, to be accommodating. And so it's been a lot of fun to just kind of walk through that with Griff and uh, learn more about this and um, his journey and other people's journey. And then on top of that, that, that uh, itch and that interest of just really saying, okay, like let's, let's put some skin in the game on this. And that's something that I think I've learned from hunted is experiences like that. And like this, you really just have to put some skin in the game. And it wasn't something where it's like, Oh yeah, I'll just show up and, you know, like say, Hey, you know, it's like, no, like put me in the ring. Let's do this thing. (laughs) And if, if me getting punched in the face, bring some money to this thing, then game on, let's do this. (laughs) And so I've, just jumped in and I uh, really enjoyed uh, training and learning from everyone at the fight shop and training down in my hometown in Tallahassee for the past two weeks. So it's been a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. Um, how long have you actually been training? Have you ever been in a fight like in this magnitude in a ring before? Now we've all had those schoolyard fights and fights with our friends and brothers, but is this going to be your first professional fight inside of a ring? Yes, this will be my first professional fight in a ring. I've gone and done uh, some bad classes and a little sparring here and there. So, you know, just kind of learning to handle yourself in a ring. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is this is the first real deal. So uh, I got a guy that has uh, three fights under his belt and will be uh, doing kind of a boxing exhibition and going at it. And it will be a real fight, you know, and I'm not 
I'm, I'm not taking this lightly. So it's been a lot of work put in. I have had a lot of black eyes already. Uh, I got, got bloody nose right now. I mean, it's, uh, it's the real deal, but again, you just, you want to give the respect, the respect to your opponent, just like we did in hunted, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm joking around, but it's, it feels like hunted 2.0 where right. I have no idea what this guy's about to throw at me. I don't know how good he is. I just know that he's got more experience on me. And if I don't prepare for this thing, I'm going to get uh, rocked. And there's nothing worse than losing a charity match. That's, that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to be known. You don't want to make the career of the guy that is known for, I'm the guy that knocked out the winner of Hunted at Black Time Boxing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. There's a great Chuck. Uh, which is about the real story of the fighter that uh, Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky off of. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just these great little bouts that he does trying to raise money and do these things. I was like, I just don't want to be like Chuck <laughs> when I grow up. Uh, so we'll see. He was like fighting a bear and all this stuff. I'm right. Like, nah, just, yeah. I feel like there's another path. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, working with uh, Tommy up here and uh, a coach down in uh, Tallahassee on uh, boxing and uh, really excited about it, see see what I can do and uh, what type of show we can pull off. Now, you're going to be fighting or you're going to be boxing Charlie Allen at Black Time Boxing. Uh, what strategy mm -hmm. are you going to have going into this fight? Are you, going to are you going to disclose it right now or are you just going to kind of keep your cards close to your chest here? No, sure. I think I <laughs> – It'd be like one of those things if I was experienced, be like, I got to keep my, you know, cards close to my chest. But right now I'm just learning what the cards are, you know? So there's, there, there's a, unfortunately a pretty steep learning curve on this. And I am just doing my best to, again, kind of do what I did at Hunted is like, Hey, let's, let's learn the heck out of this. Let's understand it. Let's know what I have. Uh, let's know what my opponent might have. Um, and, uh, I'm really excited that Charlie agreed to this because, again, it's. I think he's going to be a great match, uh, and uh, I am fully expecting a good show from him. So I'm just going to try and uh, put up my dukes and, uh, uh, you know, bring a good show to him. Yeah. Now I'm not a fighter by any means. You know, I, like I said, I wrestled for ten years, but I'm no fighter. I can tell you one way to see how prepared he is. Now it could go one of two ways. It could either go really good for you or backfire tremendously. Uh, go in guns blazing and just charge him first off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just go in a while, just like throwing like yeah. uh, like pinwheel uh, pinwheel punches and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> now it it could yeah. work out for you. It could surprise him. You know, it's kind of like when a mouse jumps out on a lion and the lion just jumps and goes ah, and it's you know, like I said, he just wasn't ready for it. But like completely, it, it could go completely wrong. He could just throw like a a right hook and just catch you first thing so i don't know yeah, how sound strategy I, that is well from from experience of a uh guy that i just sparred with last week uh i went in gun blazing and got rocked uh and all my <laughs> guns were disarmed very quickly so <laughs> i'm I, I i'm going to take uh charlie allen very seriously and uh again just super thankful that he agreed to to do this to uh, raise some money so we're, we're pumped about it well, man, we appreciate you being on P3 Radio tonight. Catch Hilmer Fighting, as well as all the action-packed car, January 6th, Saturday night, at the Carl Perkins Civic Center in Jackson, Tennessee, with all proceeds going to the JDRF Research Foundation for...
for type 1 diabetes, which is a great cause. For ticket information, you can call the Carl Perkins Civic Center box office at 731-425-8580 or go to blacktieandboxing.com. Hilmer Man, once again, thanks for joining us here on P3 Radio. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. January 6, 2018 at the Carl Perkins Civic Center. Get ready for an elegant evening that packs a punch when the second annual Black Tie and Boxing, the fight for a cure, comes back to Jackson. You won't want to miss out on this great night benefiting the JDRF. For ticket information, go to blacktieandboxing.com slash tickets or blacktieandboxing.com. Black Tie and Boxing, January 6, 2018 at the Carl Perkins Civic Center, Jackson, Tennessee. It's fight time. Joining us on the P3 Hotline right now, we have a guy that used to be a wrestler by the name of Robbie Douglas, but now he's a former fighter and a fight promoter. One of the fight promoters you will see at Black Time Boxing, January 6th in Jackson, Tennessee at the Carl Perkins Civic Center. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to P3 Radio, Wayne Kendall. You know, last year at Black Time Boxing, you you actually, I have to credit you, it's one of the best times I've ever had at like an event. You gave me a shot. I'd been bothering you for months. Hey, if you've got anything that you know that's coming up, <laughs> hey, you know anything that's going on, give me a call, please. And and you were like, hey, okay, finally, you're gonna, I'm gonna put up or shut up time, Richard. Here, here's this. And I think the whole event, I was like, anybody seen Robbie? Where's Robbie at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you uh, listen. I mean, somebody had to give me my shot. You know, I mean. So, I mean, is this something you're passionate about and something you're good at? It'd be different if you didn't, like, have a talent for it, you know, which you obviously do. And and guys like you and me who, you know, how we met through the professional wrestling and, you know, and all the shows we did together and all that, you know, to, to be thrust into doing something else, you know, that has nothing to do with it, even though it's kind of – it has some of the similarities, you know, from the, from the business, you know, it just uh, – yeah, it's fun. You know, that's all that matters, and, and you were good at it. And everybody was highly impressed. Well, so thanks. I, I appreciate that. The cre- I do. I do take the credit for you actually doing well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was doing like bodybuilding shows and wrestling shows before, and I always wanted to do something. No offense to bodybuilding, and I love wrestling, but um, I wasn't getting a lot of wrestling shows. And you know as well as I do, if if you're not on the WWE TNA level, you're not making money at a wrestling show. All right. Um, so I always wanted to do like. MMA because it was so exciting for me. It was something different. When you get in there and you watch these two guys going at it, mano y mano, fighting it out, duking out, you know it's like it's a real sporting event. It was like, man, I really want to do something like this. So I'm glad y'all brought me back for this year because this card looks stacked, man. Yeah, well, we've got we've got actually 11 MMA uh, and kickboxing combined, and we've got two uh, – pretty high-level grappling matches, and one of them's going to happen between a couple of 10-year-olds. You know, this is going to shock a lot of people. This is probably going to be the, the more one of the more intense matches on the entire card. It's going to be two kids uh, uh, from rival gyms. They have competed against each other before. Uh, it's a buddy of mine, his son. His name is Malik Burdine from uh, Team Paragon down there right. in Mississippi. He's going to, he's going to go against uh, Jeremiah Nichols. Everything from start to finish last year was awesome. Even when the girl was carrying the tray of drinks and dropped them and the glass broke and went all in the ring. I was like, yeah, oh, let's I dip know. our hands in glue so and get crazy. real about this. Don't <laughs> oh, I know it. I mean, I was literally, I mean, Brian Collins helped me. He, I don't want to sit here and take all the credit. Ryan Collins was 
was huge in uh, helping me put the car together last year. <clears throat> I mean, it was a pretty much a 50-50 effort between me and him. But, I mean, I've I've been I mean he had a, he just had a professional fight. He had, yeah. He was, you know, he was deep, deep, deep in training this year. I said, I, you know, I just told him this year, let me handle it. I got it. You know, I can. Don't worry about it, brother. It's on me this time. And, you know, just so he could focus and not be. You know, I mean, people have people are just absolutely. I mean, every time you turn on the UFC and you just watch a flawless show go by, right? You know, what you don't see is that you know that that nervous matchmaker sitting cage side who's just been put through the ringer to make that show happen, right? I mean, it, it's it's incredible. It, it uh, just man, just how much can go wrong, and just I mean, it's a lot of trust and faith and a lot of relationship building. And just, uh, I mean, it, it takes years to develop relationships and basically a rolodex of fighters you can uh, can go to and ask them to fight for free. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like wrestling, though. You know, me and you spent a lot of time in the wrestling organizations. And it wasn't always about how much money we could get. It was about, okay, what's the crowd size? Who, How many people is going to see me on this? Because you know as well yep. as I do, if you get exposure, that's just as good as money. That's money in the bank because if you get For exposure sure. and you do really well on a card, especially one that looks like freaking WrestleMania of Jackson, Tennessee, this thing looks <laughs> – I, I know. It, it, uh, yeah, I know. And, and that's been uh, one of my bigger selling points. It's, fun, it's so funny you said that. Because that, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, guys, you don't understand the amount of ex- free exposure you're going to get from this. Don't let the jargon just slip out and sound corny. But this year is legitimately going to be twice as big as last year. Oh, yeah. It's not bigger than twice as big. I mean, it's just the, the, the pre-sales have been huge. The tickets, I mean, they had 45 tables of eight sold at, you know, 1500 bucks a pop, you know, like two weeks ago. Wow. I mean, and that's all Rachel. I mean, dude, she's just killing it. Yeah. I mean, she, she, she's amazing. Yeah, she uh, she she texts me every once in a while and goes, "Hey, do you have a headshot?" And I'm like, "I'm not very professional. I don't have a headshot. What do you mean?" And she's like, "Can you get me one by tomorrow?" And I, and I had my wife take pictures that night. We made it a, a point because, like I said, I know how big this event is. I know how big and how much time she has put in, how much time you've put in. So anything I can do like that, like something little, yeah, why not? Here, take a sure. picture of me with all of my gray hair and my beard. Uh, looking all <laughs> fat like I have because Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the stress has gotten to me. So, yeah, let me do this right now because I feel like, you know, when you see people working hard and you see them working towards a goal, you want to help them. You don't want to be a right. roadblock. You want to be somebody that actually steps in there and goes, what can I do to make this easier for you? So Rachel's one of those people. You watch how she works and you watch you how you work on these fights, promoting it. Uh, last year in the back when I showed up and I'm like, so what do you want me to say? And you're like, this person didn't show up. Uh, we're scrambling. And I'm like, you're cool, man. I, you know, like I said, it's all about yeah, wrestling. Putting you off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just give me the card and tell me how to say people's names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I give you credit, man. I was like, Hey, you just, here, here's the information you had little bit, brother. It's on you. It's on you. I can't tell you how to announce, you know, you just gotta, <laughs> you know, and you did good. You, you, you developed your own style and you, you made it. You did. You like far eclipsed any expectations I had. You know, of course, I hadn't seen you in that role before. You know, I never really. You know, I'm not taking a shot at you, but you were never like a talker no. back in the day. You well, know, and well, here's, uh, here's so, the reason why. Know. I was always six foot three, three hundred pounds, 
Uh, <laughs> That's true. You know, you have a wrestling promoter, and you go to him, you go, hey, uh, my name is Richard Mulligan. I wrestle as Max Corbin. I'd like to come into your promotion and wrestle for you. They go, okay, that sounds great. Can you send some video? And you send some video, and they go, you're a monster. You should never talk. And I'm like, but I can, yep. I can talk. I can do my own intro. Especially when you're uh... – Especially when your tag partner is bigger than you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he was bigger, not taller. I was taller, but yeah, I mean, he was always the one they were like, okay, he's the big guy in the group. And I'm like, why is he the big guy? I'm, I'm taller. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that you can't have that in wrestling. So you're not the only <laughs> one. I have had to struggle. In fact, we talked to Del Rios, who was one of the guys that was instrumental in me getting in, involved into in announcing. I was fail. I actually credited him because he started – one day he came to me and he said, hey, do you know anything about doing commercials? Because we're trying to do some voiceover work for a bodybuilding show. And I said, yeah, I've done some stuff in the past. I can give it a shot. And I think what he had done is he had heard some commercials I'd put together for Kevin's wrestling school. And he said, can you do something like that for me? And I did. And he was blown away by it. He was like, that's you? I was like, yeah. So he started putting me in touch with all these promoters and like around the area for bodybuilding shows. And one by one, they would bring me in because I'm no threat to a bodybuilder. You know, I might be tall and big, but at the end of the day, I'm not right. ending up there looking like Chris Farley at a Chippendale, co- you know, concert. <laughs> you know, um, so right. I'm, he's like, you got to bring this guy in. So slowly but surely, I've been working my way onto that circuit and everything. But he actually told me, he was like, dude, I'll tell you what, bro, you should get out of that whole wrestling thing. And you should just start announcing. But I was like, well, kind of. So funny because that's. That's so funny because it sounds just like him. <laughs> Which was the greatest advice ever. Spell. It was the greatest advice ever, man, because I, you know, I should have done it years ago because there's way more money in it, and I get to actually entertain people. I get to perform in front of the people, and I don't have to fall right. down every five minutes. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the cuffs are off. January 6, 2018, at the Carl Perkins Civic Center, Black Tie and Boxing, a fight for the cure for juvenile diabetes, we're going to see you there. It'll be this Saturday. If you're listening to this right now, it'll be this Saturday. If you haven't got tickets yet, you need to get on it now. All of the floor seats are sold out. You're not going to get one of those. So um, if you were looking for that, you should have tried that a long time ago. But general admission right now, if you go to the box office, if you call the box office in Jackson, Tennessee, or if you go to blacktieandboxing.com tickets, you can get tickets right now for Black Tie and Boxing. Don't miss out on this. This is the greatest homegrown local event in Jackson, Tennessee. You will see me and Josh both will be there. You don't want to miss out. Now, now that that's out of the way, Robbie Douglas. <laughs> Here <laughs> oh we go. So, so now we'll talk to Robbie Douglas a little bit about wrestling. And now Josh can join in too. So if I'm talking to Robbie instead of Wayne right now, how did you get involved into wrestling, man? Man, I mean, every ounce, every single bit of that credit goes to to my cousin, you know, and he, well, he's pretty much my brother, uh, A.J. Bradley, also known as Adam Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just, uh, you know, he was like my little brother growing up. It was uh, me and uh, Adam, or A.J. as he was known, uh, and my grandmother every Saturday morning uh, watching Memphis wrestling. Um uh, if WCW was in town, she took us to see WCW. If you know if there was anything on TV, you know, Global. It's funny you said that. Was it was it G? Well, not GFW. It was called. Uh, God, what was it called? Growing. Yeah, GWF. Global Wrestling had, Federation. Like, what was Marcus Bagwell like? The Handsome Stranger. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, like I, it's just so funny. Like she would, rec- you know, 
you know, tape record all, all of those shows for us and just, man, we made the cardboard belts and we were just jumping off the flower pots in the front yard. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's probably, you know, just, you know, exactly like you guys, you know, you know, and, uh, and it's funny. I was, if y'all just, I was a couple, lived, couple years older. Yeah, if y'all would, well, I mean, you're probably around close to the same age as us, maybe close. I'm, well, I'm 35. I just turned 35. Yeah, well, I mean, Josh is 35. 35. I'm 34, so we're exact this is the exactly same age. Yeah. And I think and Adam's uh, just a couple years younger than us. Yeah, I, I was gonna he's say 30. He's born in 85, so yeah. he's two or three years younger than me. Yeah, so I mean, we're looking around the same age. If we would have actually been in the same geographical area, which I mean, like when you were kids back then, it was like one block, two blocks away. We would have right, been best friends. Right. <laughs> oh, no no doubt, man. Because, I mean, we were just – well, at Christmas, uh, his sons, uh, our grandmother got Adam's sons, our grandsons, a couple of uh, – you know, just a little – like a little Brock Lesnar toy, uh, Roman Reigns. and You know, they were just like the – just like the little wrestling toys that we would, there were like six or seven books at Walmart back in the day that we used to just beg for yeah. every Saturday. Cause, because the routine was, you know, if it was during the summer, you know, me and Adam were at our grandmother's who lived on North Highland. It was, <laughs> we would uh, get up, we would go to the old country store, um, then we would go shopping. Uh, we would take my great grandmother grocery shopping, do whatever we had to do. But we were back by 11 because Memphis Wrestling was on. <laughs> And then, I mean, and that's all that that's all that mattered. Who would you say growing up was your just your guy, your your number one wrestler? Oh, man. There's just there's just no doubt, zero doubt, man. Nature Boy Ric Flair, zero doubt in my mind. I grew up uh, on TBS, and I was I was it was NWA, WCW, Atlanta Braves, and Atlanta Hawks. I mean, if it was on TBS, I loved it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, growing but, um, up in this but, area, Lawler. To, to me always was the man it's like he wasn't the biggest guy but when sure. he said monday night it's going down you believed him right you know? oh absolutely you, you're you couldn't be more right and and it, I, you know i guess from a national level i get well for me it was I, my dad was such a, a flair fan and uh i mean from that standpoint i mean it, it seems like memphis is a whole different world of its own i just i just remember the feel just feeling depressed it was only an hour right. you know on saturday mornings that was the i remember thing, you know, it was it was always saturday mornings for the longest time and if you woke uh-huh. up late if you happen to sleep in and you missed that 10 o'clock show <laughs> screwed. yeah it was like screwed. oh man because you would wake up on saturdays this was my this was my regimen wake up and you usually wake up really when you were younger you'd wake up and you'd watch muppet babies on nickelodeon and it would be Muppet Babies, and then you would, when Muppet Babies were was over, you'd switch it to WWF, which would be Mania, Mania, yeah. or whatever Live Wire or whatever show it was at the time. You'd watch that. Then you'd chill back Superstars. out. Superstars. You'd watch whatever show that was for a minute. Then you would chill back out for a minute, and then you would cut back in for Memphis Wrestling, for the which was. <clears throat> Back in the day, I remember that show felt like it took forever, and it was wonderful. Yeah. You loved every minute because it was like a two-hour show on Saturday mornings, right? right. Hour and a half. Hour and yep. a half. It was like it was longer, but it felt longer That's because right. it was ninety like, minutes. Right. It wasn't a thirty-minute wrestling show. It was it was ninety minutes, and you're sitting there going, "Oh, this is awesome." So then, when that show would end, you would go out and play for a little while. You do your thing. You come in, maybe hit Snick or whatever, uh, but. But you'd always hit Saturday Night Wrestling, WCW Saturday Night. Uh, the Mother Show. 505. Yeah. 
you'd hit that, and then you'd watch Clarissa, Clarissa explains it all, and then you'd go to bed, and go, get ready for church. That was that yeah, was every that's... weekend as a kid from third grade to ninth grade. I mean, you know what screwed up my Saturday mornings though? Like what program oh screwed everything up for me? ECW ECW Friday nights one a.m. Yes, that is oh, when man. I began to to fail. You know, watching Saturday morning wrestling. Yeah, because I stayed up all night. I haven't night thought about that in years. <laughs> well, we had the uh, the luxury of this video device called a VCR. I don't know if you've heard of this, kids, <laughs> but we had the luxury of a VCR. And what we would do is we would stay up as late as we could, and when we felt like we were about to pass out, we'd hit record. <laughs> and right. I remember it was on Fox Sports South. That was the channel it was on here in Jackson. And I remember there was many a times where Josh would come over and spend the night, and he's like, well, if I come over, I'm bringing my VCR because I want to record it on my tape. I don't want to try Yo, to dub one off. I want one on my tape. <laughs> so you'd have right. to hook up this complicated system, and in the morning you'd wake up and you'd be like, oh, no, we got 45 minutes of weird snowboarding footage. I don't know what to do with this. Oh, man, that's so funny. It's so funny. I mean, Adam was the king of the VCR, man. He recorded everything. <laughs> What's funny now is that Josh had a black box growing up. I feel like we've – past the statute of limitations there so it's long um, gone now it's long gone now so he used to steal cable when <laughs> well, we were younger but i remember on saturday mornings with memphis you know when they would do to uh you know say they were getting ready to go to the commercial or maybe it was uh, the start or the end of the show they would go to what towns they were going to be in right remember how they it would kind of like pop up and say okay we're going to be in jonesboro arkansas tuesday night and we're going to be in I don't know, or they were we might be in Paris. Expo Center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big yeah. Expo Center down be, there in Memphis, Tennessee. They'd be somewhere in Indiana or something. Right. But man, if they, if they ever, like, I had my pencil out and ready. Like, if they said they were going to be like within like a, a driving radius of Jackson, I was asking Granny to. I was going to need to borrow about fourteen dollars, and we're going to need to find a way to go. <laughs> let's get off of wrestling for a little bit, and let's talk a little bit more about black tie and boxing. We've got a lot of big fights lined up, and I noticed we had a title match on there. We do. We're going to have our, our very first uh, championship fight uh, between two guys, 185 pounds, which was my former weight class, even though I probably should have been like a 155. or a, <laughs> I fought at 70 a couple of times, but just the weight <laughs> cut was just ridiculous, and I wasn't a fan of dieting. So uh, right. got uh, two, two guys I'm super, super fond of, and I'm very lucky I, I didn't run – Cross either one of their paths when I was active. Uh, get Jordan Fowler uh, coming out of uh, man, I forget the name uh, of the town in Arkansas he's from, but uh, Jordan's a tough guy, man. He's on a huge streak, man. He's got uh, two or three nasty stoppages in a row. He's gonna be fighting this kid that I just think is. Uh, I mean, he's a kid I think that could be in the UFC one day. A guy named Kevin Bullock. He, he trains down there with the team Paragon in uh, Mississippi, and uh, he's just. Uh, He's seven and one. He's just an animal man. He's just a kid, and he's just getting familiar with the sport, and he's just out there killing guys. He's so good. You'll be so impressed with him. Right. And uh, they're going to go at it for our uh, inaugural championship. It was just an idea of mine. Um, it just always adds to the lore, and uh, there's just something on the line. And I just love nothing more than uh, the, you know a main event having something at stake. But man, I tell you what, if last year's main event is anything like this year's main event. We're 
bound to be in for it. So guys, you do not want to miss out on this event. Last year was great. This year is going to be even better. Get your tickets now. You don't want to be the guy sitting around the water cooler while everyone else is talking about this great event they just went to at the Jackson Civic Center and seen black time boxing. You don't want to be the guy that's left out, right, Josh? It's going to be the IT event for January the 6th, that's for sure. So go right now to blacktimeboxing.com slash tickets. Get your tickets. All the floor tickets are gone. So don't think that you're going to get ringside tickets right now because you've waited way too long. You've heard about this on the radio. You've heard about this here on this show. You've heard about this on TV. You've seen the sign at the Civic Center. So it's your own fault that you're not going to ringside <laughs> tickets. But you can get general admission tickets right now. Blacktimeboxy.com slash tickets. Get your tickets now. You're not going to want to miss this great event. Wayne Kendall, you're still on the phone. We're not going to talk to Robbie anymore. We're going to talk to, Re to Wayne. <laughs> no, we'll um, hit the button. We're, yes. we're back over. <laughs> we're back over to, to Business Wayne. We're not to Wrestling Robbie. We're at Business Wayne. And, <laughs> and I will be talking to Business Wayne this this weekend. Uh, so... So, man, right. here's here's one question, and then I'll let you get to whatever last thing you want to say because we're going to have to cut this off. Uh, when are you going to don the advertisement tights again that has all your sponsors on it and step into black time boxing and fight for us? Oh, brother, man, how how badly I wish uh, that fire was still burning, man, but it, it, it's been put out, and it's uh, I'm, I'm firmly committed to uh, – to not to not competing anymore. I mean, I just uh, you know I know this is a factor with everybody, and I, you know you're a father just like I am, man. Right. But I just don't have the time, and and to be honest with you, man, I, I can't keep up with the guys that are uh, I'm competing with in my own gym now. You know the guys are so young and they they surpassed me and every facet of the game. You know grappling, wrestling. I mean, I was a I mean I was a, a local champion for Summit, man, and which is you know a pretty big deal. And uh, and when you're getting smoked by some twenty year old that's only been training for six or eight months, you're like, holy crap! Like, <laughs> I need to quit while I'm ahead. You know? Right. I mean, only so only only so many concussions, brother. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and I had several, man. I mean, it's it's, it's real. I'm, you know, I turned thirty five, and that's that's dog years in uh, MMA, man. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go yeah. ahead and wrap up, man. Anything else you want to say about this event or anything going on? Yeah, man. We've got uh, we got. 14 of the 26 guys on the card are, are within, you know, 25, 30 minutes of Jackson. So tons of local guys uh, that they are going to be, you know, look to the black tie page and everybody's Facebook are going to be sharing it like crazy. Uh, just getting as much fresh as we can out there. Uh, Teddy Holder, uh, who uh, are you familiar with Teddy, right? Yeah. You know Teddy. All right, Big Teddy, the youngest from South Jackson. Him and Damian Melton, uh, these are two, both of them are, I mean, these are professional athletes fighters and uh they're gonna have a uh a no-gi grappling match man so you know which is the for these two guys who normally get paid to come in and and you know work events they're, they're gonna do this you know because i have a good relationship with both guys and right. uh, they're both competitive so they're gonna have the grappling matches and uh as much i was i would love to see those guys throwing kicks and punches at each other it's just gonna who can submit who and uh and that's pretty much uh, how that one's going to work. But, you know, Teddy's a big name around here. Teddy's been on the national stage a couple times on NBC when he was with the World Series of Fighting. And, uh, you know, Damien's a guy that's fought everybody. I mean, every badass around here, Damien Milton's fought him. I don't know anybody that has more amateur or professional fights behind than him. And he's just 
one of the nicest human beings. I think he's from up in Huntington or uh, Gleason or something else, somewhere in McKenzie area, something like that. You got to cut me off right No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good, man. No, we're we're all, and of course, P3 Radio is going to be there. You know, you're going to draw like nine more people. It. <laughs> Nine more people than last well, really, year because P3 Radio is going to be good. We need to. I tell you what, we need to do. We need to have Josh do like a live stream or something. We'll we'll do a live stream when we talk over the fights. Last year, I tried to do my best doing Facebook Live, but I didn't have anybody to hold the camera because I was trying to get oh, back in the it. ring. And so we might do I, something I like that. I mean, it'll be fine for it. the people that can't make it. I mean, you can't absolutely can't make it. But if you can make it, get there because it will. The live action is nowhere near what you're going to see on your phone or your tablet on oh, Facebook absolutely. Live. Oh, And Richard, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little disappointed. And I'm shocked you haven't told everybody. You got to come dressed to the nines, my man. Oh yeah, that's that's the best part about the whole event is because you see all these people <laughs> dressed up like it's a 1950s dinner party. It's awesome because yeah, you see absolutely. all these people in their suit and ties. So you don't feel left out when you're dressed up and you're in a tuxedo or whatever, or if you're in a shirt and tie, or you don't feel left out because everybody is dressed up. So make sure you you dress up. Now, general admission was a little lax last year. Like like I said, it's not yeah. like down front. Yeah, but everybody, for the most part, I would say it was 50-50. Right. But I, I've had a lot of people, uh, fans, uh, message me on Facebook, and hey, say, hey, if I dress like this, am I going to be allowed in? I'm like, of course you should be allowed in. <laughs> Right, but I mean, just hey, just it ain't gonna hurt you. Dress up a little bit, right. and it, it's the theme. It's the theme of it, and you know, grab yeah. you, grab you a little sports. Just grab you some slacks and a sports coat, man. You'd be good. So come out, support the cause. Bring your checkbook. Dress to the nines. Come on, put on a suit and tie. It's fun to dress up. So come out, watch these guys fight each other, and and have a few drinks and enjoy a great fundraiser, a great cause. It's not even gonna feel like a fundraiser. It's gonna feel like a party. It's going to feel like a party where two people are fighting, and it's going to happen 13 times. It's going to be awesome. That's perfect. And as I said that, I spilt my drink everywhere. So, as you know, (laughs) I'm excited, and you're excited. Everybody's excited. (laughs) And we're we're going to go ahead and end this interview. We've outlived our welcome here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and end this interview before we're electrocuted by this electronic equipment that I just soaked with my drink. Wayne, man, it's great to talk to you. I will see you this Saturday night in Black Tide Boxing. Any, any, any parting words? No, man. Uh, thank you to everybody, uh, everybody that's helped uh, be a part of this event and helped make it uh, it happen. Um, thank you all. Thank you to the fans for uh, buying a ticket, and thank you uh, especially to all the fighters. You know, without you guys, this doesn't happen. And uh, looking forward, a lot of the kids with Type One are going to be there. They're going to be our guests of honor. So. Uh, we're going to recognize all of them, too, so it's going to be awesome. Well, the sound of that music means we have reached the end of another episode of P3 Radio. If you want to find us on Facebook, how can they do that, Richard? Just type in Pop Poncho on Facebook, and you can go to YouTube and type well, in P3 Radio. Or on Twitter, at P3 Radio 1. Or you can go to our number. 731-300-6675. Yes, 731-300-MORK. Yeah, physically go to our number. Don't dial that in. Don't text it. Don't do anything. Physically go there. Go to it. Yes. And we will see you next week here on P3 Radio for Josh Brawley. I'm Richard Mulligan saying good night. Go